0: You are listening to Grace and Mercy Podcast. This podcast is for people who want to know the grace of God and how it changes the way we interact with the world. I'm your host, author Darlene Bojek, and in this episode, we're going to find out what Galatians has to say about grace. We have had a crazy week. War has broken out in Ukraine, and this episode has much to do about the war in Ukraine and why there is a war. The war in Ukraine is because of the grace of God, I can say. So let's start with one verse. Uh, There are nine times that Grace or one of its uh, family members are mentioned in the book of Galatians. And we're going to start with this one. We love this one. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So those who have been following along with Grace and Mercy podcast will probably remember the word that is in the family of grace here, and that is joy. Joy is kara. It's um, in the family of grace, which is karis. Kara it comes from grace. It's properly the awareness of God's grace, or grace recognized. So as we've seen in in the rest of the, especially the New Testament, we see that whenever joy is mentioned, it's particularly in response to some grace that has happened, and that joy is part of what we call the charisma machine, where God's grace comes down, and grace is recognized, resulting in joy, resulting in thanksgiving, going back up to God, um, thanking Him with others, and then the otherness uh, reaches out and sends um, grace to other people. So, what does this verse in galatians 5:22 why does that have what does it have to do with the war in ukraine well we need to back up for a second and uh, think about what this really means the fruit of the spirit is love joy peace patience kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self-control Against such things there is no law. We see the world today uh, through the lens of a post-Christian world. We see the results of Christianity, and Christianity has spread across the globe. People are um, in a post-Christian world, meaning they do not hold to Christ. But they hold to the principles that have changed the world. For context, let's take a look at a quote from D. James Kennedy's book, What If Jesus Had Never Been Born? He says, Jesus Christ, the greatest man who ever lived, has changed virtually every aspect of human life, and most people don't know it. Despite its humble origins, the church has made more changes on earth for the good than any other movement or force in history. To get an overview of some of the positive contributions Christianity has made through the centuries, here are a few highlights. Hospitals, which essentially began during the Middle Ages. Universities, which also began during the Middle Ages. In addition, most of the world's greatest universities were started by Christians for Christian purposes. Literacy and education for the masses. Capitalism and free enterprise representative government, particularly as it has been seen in the American experiment, the separation of political powers, civil liberties, the abolition of slavery, both in antiquity and in more modern times, modern science, the discovery of the new world by Columbus, the elevation of women, benevolence and charity, the good Samaritan ethic, higher standards of justice, the elevation of the common man, the condemnation of adultery, homosexuality, and other sexual perversions. This has helped to preserve the human race, and it has spared many from heartache. High regard for human life, the civilizing of many barbarian and primitive cultures, the codifying and setting to writing of many of the world's languages, greater development of art and music, the inspiration for the greatest works of art. The countless changed lives transformed from liabilities into assets to society because of the gospel, and finally, the eternal salvation of countless souls. Christianity has had a great impact in the world. In contrast to this, I will put a link to this page of quotes and to the book in the show notes, but there is a specific hatred in communism toward Christianity. Both the uh, Marx and um, Hitler, Stalin, had nasty things to say about Christianity. And they wish Christianity had never come because it gave common man some really horrible ideas like uh, equality. One quote from uh, Hitler, uh, talking about Christianity uh, and the belief in God, that poison with which both Jews and Christians have spoiled and soiled the free, wonderful instincts of man and lowered them to the level of dog-like fright. So, we have, we have fascism and communism and some uh, principles of socialism that are exactly against Christianity. So when you have a battle, like right now, we've seen an attack of Russia onto Ukraine for their political purposes. The reactions of people are stop the fighting. It doesn't matter if they're Christian or non-Christian. They want the battle to be stopped. The pictures of Russians standing in front of the Kremlin, please stop the war. Um, pictures of um, Ukrainians, instead of picking up arms, they're running from the war. They don't want war. Now, contrast that to a verse in 2 Samuel 11. 1. In the spring, at the time when kings go off to war, David sent Joab out with the king's men and the whole Israelite army. Um, and it says, but David remained in Jerusalem. So, the interesting thing is that this was so normal in the Bronze Age for them to go off to war that it was like, well, it was spring, we go to war now. But today we don't have that attitude. We, we, we cringe from war, we cringe from battle, we cringe from killing even our enemies. And the reason why even non-Christians are doing this is because Christianity has so infiltrated the, the sensibilities of the world mm-hmm. that we can't stand the idea of, um, of war, most countries, most people. And the people who are standing against it are people who have this humanism in them. What is, what is humanism? Humanism is basically emasculated Christianity. There's no reason why they should be against the killing of other people except that Christ has given value to every uh, every single person through his teaching and if you uh, read the book I'm suggesting you'll you'll see that there's no reason in a, a world where there's evolution and random chance or, where people are holding on to those as foundations there's no reason for humans to have. Value and yet, we do. People see the the value of human life. You see, picture of a of a um, dead soldier, Russian soldier, covered with snow, like I saw this morning, and your heart grieves. But there was a time when people didn't have that same kind of empathy toward the toward the dead, even the enemy dead. And the reason for that is, is that Christianity has spread, and the 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 mindset of the world has changed. So, Russia is aggressive toward, uh, not, uh, toward Ukraine. Uh, you would think the people are the same, but the influence of the, of humanism in, Ukraine is stronger than the influence of humanism in Russia. So the mentality is basically a war of, of theories. Um, mankind is valuable versus mankind is not valuable. We'll take what we want. So back to the Galatians 5. What do we see there? We see how Christianity has come into the world We have love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. These are things, it says, against such things there is no law. These are things that people uh, want. I was um, uh, sharing the gospel with my friend, and she sees her life, which is very humanist, as Equivalent to my life, and and it's true that her approach to life is guided by her conscience. But there is a different, uh, a difference, an essential difference, and that is the very next verse after this. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. So, with the difference between. Humanism and Christianity, as I said, humanism is emasculated. It loses its power because it becomes um, from inside. They still have the values of Christianity, but there's no power to to be the things that um, are are needed to be. So it says. Here in verse 24, those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desire. We have the real joy. The joy in this world is not from grace, it's just a form of happiness or temporary happiness, right? A delight, and then it's gone like a like a flare. But for Christians, the joy, the kara comes from grace, and recognizing that even as our brothers and sisters in Ukraine are um, are facing this war and are afraid of the war, they still, at the same time, are standing strong and saying, um, we aren't leaving because we are going to help our brothers and our sisters. They have this continual joy or the grace coming down and turning into joy in their hearts, even in the difficult times. This has been... Um, historically what happens to Christians in times of difficulty. They stand and face the danger. They have a courage uh, against the danger because their source of joy and uh, is not of this world. So, the world has changed because of this fruit of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit dwelling in His people has spread throughout the world and has brought love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And that has been contagious in a sense. And, and the world has, has seen the value of those. Says against such things, there is no law. People see that and they want it, and they they kind of mimic Christians, and they mimic Christians until they understand that the sort the the source of this is the Holy Spirit. The strength behind being this way is uh, being able to crucify the flesh with our passions and our desires. Now let's move on uh, to the word kai uh, karis, which is seven times in the book of Galatians. Galatians one three, right at the beginning there, as soon as Paul has greeted them, he says, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of our God and Father. So, we do see that in the way that our friends are facing difficulty in Ukraine. Grace from God is coming down and peace is coming down and perspective in the face of war. Perspective. So, as we remember our friends in prayer, we will pray the same thing for them. Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave Himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. And don't forget that grace has to do with leaning, right? Uh, Grace from God is a leaning or favoring toward, leaning toward. And in this case, giving himself is part of that. God, Christ giving himself is a leaning or a favoring and a giving of. We also said that, that grace is a kind of the space between please and thank you, which is the, the act of receiving something. The act of receiving something. And in the case of Christianity, we received salvation through faith. We received Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from this present evil age. A couple verses later is another instance of the word kervis. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting Him who called you in the grace of Christ, and are turning to a different gospel. So we can remember in our times of difficulty that we must cling to the grace of Christ. Anything that says uh, that Christ is not enough is a different gospel. Anything that says Christ is unnecessary is a different gospel. And, And He warned them a few verses later that they should be careful to not desert Christ who called us in the grace of God. And then we have in verse chapter 1, verse 15, he is talking about his conversion. And he says, I was advancing in Judaism beyond many of my contemporaries. I was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from my mother's womb, And called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I might preach him among the Gentiles. I did not rush to consult with flesh and blood. And it continues on talking about uh, what uh, what he did. And here we see that God, first of all, set him apart from his mother's womb or before he was born and called him by his grace. Paul was called by the grace. The favoring summons people, right? Then we have Galatians 2, uh, verse 9. And when James and Cephas and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me, they they gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me, that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised. So, we see that James and Peter and John perceived the grace. So, in the case of Paul, grace was observable. It was able to be identified through um, through the external world. So, think about that. Um, grace is it turns into, as we said, the fruit of the Spirit. There's a there's a kind of a, a f- result in a f- person's physical life to the internal change. We have a f- couple verses later. I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. I do not set aside the grace of God, for if righteousness comes through the law, Christ died for nothing. Do you see how the word grace and the idea of giving Himself is happening right altogether? So again, the charisma machine coming down from God, the grace coming down from God, lands in our hearts, results in joy, uh, which goes out to people, um, and it re- results in thankfulness, which goes up to up, back up to God. And we've seen in other verses uh, in the New Testament that this grace, or we call it the charisma machine, this grace uh, is also given back to God. We give grace to God. We send up our thankfulness. That is part of giving grace to God. So, when we pray, we say, "Uh, would you say grace? Well, that's true. It is a kind of a grace. We give grace back up to God in our thankfulness. Uh, giving ourselves to Him out of gratefulness. He sends down His Son. He gave His Son. We say that in John 3.16, For God so loved the world, you see the favor there, the leaning toward, for God so loved the world, He gave His one and only Son. And what do we see here in Galatians 2.20? I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. I do not set aside the grace of God. He defines the grace of God as this thing of loving and giving himself up for me. Two more instances in Galatians. Uh, Galatians 5.4 Again, I testify to every man who gets himself circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You are severed from Christ. You who would be justified by the law. You have fallen away from grace interesting concept here. We have grace being the thing that stands in contrast to being justified by our works. Falling away from grace. So when you're standing on being justified by your works, which I might add is how my humanist friends are um, my humanist friends that I have here are, are God-fearers, but they, they want to basically live uh, a Christian life, you know, as, as far as the humanistic Christian life, but without, without Christ. They want their deeds to justify them before God. So, they are severed from Christ. There's a big separation, um, in people who are trying to be justified fi- f- by the law, either you are in Christ, in grace, or you are standing on your own works. Right? The word sever here shows that there's a huge separation from being justified by your works and being justified by grace through faith in Christ. The last instance of the word caris is Galatians 6.18. And in this case, it's part of his benediction. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Amen. What do we learn from this? You know, he has surrounded or bookended his his book of Galatians, his letter of Galatians, with grace. Grace at the beginning, grace at the end. This is a very important, precious uh, idea that Paul is is conveying to the people, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit, brothers. Likewise, we should surround ourselves with grace in the morning, in the evening, as in the middle of the day. There is one more instance of one of the family members of grace here in Galatians. That's Galatians 3.18. Uh, this is the, the word... Kuritsomai. Kuritsomai. Kuritsomai is a verb. It means to pardon, to forgive, to favor. This is the one that's closest to uh, the word that is generally translated as grace in the Old Testament. To favor, to extending your favor. Um, it says favor that cancels is used of God giving his grace to pardon. This is freely done and not based on merit of the one receiving forgiveness. It is the exercise of grace. Okay, so it's it's the action of God as he gives. It's karizomai, And where do we see that? In chapter 3, verse 18. For if the inheritance comes by the law, it no longer comes by promise. But... God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Where is it? In the word God gave it. Gave it is karizomai. He graced it to Abraham by a promise. You know, uh, salvation is by faith in a promise. It's by believing the word of God. That God says, if you look to the Son, you will be saved. We hear the promise and we say I believe the promise. That is saving faith. I believe the promise. If I look, I will be saved from my sins. The cross will save me from my sins. This is the promise that is severing the world from the law. We have been severed from from the curse of the law. After we become Christians... God puts into us, he gives us a new heart, he puts into us that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, goodness, against such things there is no law. He puts that into our hearts and enables us to crucify the flesh with its passions and desires, right? That's through our new heart. So James Russell Lowell, who was a former U.S. uh, minister of state to England, he said this, I challenge any skeptic to find a 10-square-mile spot on this planet where they can live their lives in peace and safety and decency, where womanhood is honored, where infancy and old age are revered, where they can educate their children, where the gospel of Jesus Christ has not gone first to prepare the way. If they find such a place, then I would encourage them to immigrate thither and they're proclaim their unbelief. What does this mean? It means that James Russell Lowell recognized that Christianity has been the thing that has changed this world and give those given the values that we consider the modern world values. So the war right now in between Russia and Ukraine seems to be a war for those values. I'm not saying that Ukraine and Russia are, as nations, Christian or non-Christian nations, but the values represented in this war seem to be, and the values represented by people in opposition to the war seem to be, it's a battle for, these, for the values of Christianity. One more quote from D. James Kennedy, Prior to the coming of Christ, human life on this planet was exceedingly cheap, life was expendable prior to Christianity's influence. Even today, in parts of the world where the gospel of Christ or Christianity has not penetrated, life is exceedingly cheap. But Jesus Christ gave mankind a new perspective on the value of human life. Furthermore, Christianity bridged the gap between the Jews, who first received the divine revelation that man was made in God's image, and the pagans who attributed little value to human life. Meanwhile, as we in the post-Christian West abandon our Judeo-Christian heritage, life is becoming cheap once again. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask for mercy uh, on this world. We pray for peace. We pray that in our prayers we would be peacemakers. And um, we pray that the Christians in Ukraine and the Christians in and Russia would be peacemakers and would be uh, able to um, influence uh, this war, that it would lighten up and um, we thank you for the intervention that you've done, keeping our friends safe and um, keeping uh, war from being worse than it has been. We pray that you would bring um, an end to this battle, uh, take away the the hunger for for taking over land um, we pray for peace on earth and we know that that will only come through Jesus Christ and through people uh, receiving real joy of knowing that God leaned in and gave himself didn't take and grab but gave himself and um, I pray that, this, um, even now, in the midst of this battle and these battles and these skirmishes and the, the fear, that you would strengthen your Christians with the confidence and in your grace and what that means for them. And uh, for us as well, in, in the battles that we face at work, at home, that you give us the strength to stand in joy and finding that joy, the kara that comes. Um, from recognizing grace in our lives. And we do thank you for your keritzomai that you are um, actively giving grace to us. We thank this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to Grace and Mercy Podcast with author Darlene Bojek. This has been episode 24 of season two, Applying Grace. You can find the show notes for this episode, including links to everything we talked about at graceandmercypodcast.com question of the week. How have you seen the grace from Christianity change the world around you? Make sure to answer a question of the week on the show notes page. You can send me a voicemail. I would love to feature your thoughts on uh, one of our next episodes. Thank you. See you next time. Bye Bye